Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Shoots for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, episode 12 of the series dedicated to the draft-eligible prospects for the 2020 NFL Draft, which is set to begin in April in Las Vegas, Nevada. College football playoff rankings have been announced for Week 11. Ohio State up at the top. I don't think anybody is really arguing that they've looked like the most complete team defensively led by Chase Young, who could very well be the number one overall pick. Jeffrey Okuda, who is likely the number one cornerback that's going to be taken in the draft as well. Offensively, you have one of the emerging running backs in J.K. Dobbins, a guy who's going to be, really, he is the first Ohio State Buckeye since Archie Griffin, three straight seasons over 1,000 yards. LSU sitting there at number two, obviously Joe Burrow, what he's been able to do in Joe Brady's offense. He's gone from a mid to late round pick at best to a guy that we're talking about in the top 15 picks. Joe Brady brought that offense from New Orleans to LSU. And I'll tell you what, you can definitely see Joe Brady, even envision Joe Brady in an offense there uh, at, at the next level. Uh, with the way that he's been able to run that offense. But look, Clyde Edwards-Alaire running the football, short, compact frame, and a a guy who I think has really good vision, underrated acceleration and speed. He's the guy that people are looking past. You know, LSU is going to be taking on the number three ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. And I'll tell you what, I think uh, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be a guy that everyone's going to be talking about when that game is over. Justin Jefferson made his way into the top 10 for receivers. Only a junior, but I anticipate he'll come out into the draft. He'll be a guy that's going to try to push for first-round consideration, likely a day-two pick. And then that defense. Grant Delpit, the number one safety. Jacob Phillips, one of the better interior uh, linebackers, inside linebackers. You know, it, It's going to really be interesting You know, with Christian Fulton on the outside. He'll get to go one-on-one with Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs. Because, yes, Alabama is ranked number three, sitting there at 8-0. You could argue that LSU's schedule has been better than Alabama's, and that's why they're sitting there ahead of them. Uh, But I'll I'll tell you what, Coach O won't have them looking past Bama at all because that offense, obviously led by Tua Tango-Bailoa, who I think is the top quarterback Right now in this draft, you have all of the receivers. They have two tackles who we'll be talking about here in a minute in uh, Alex Leatherwood and Jedrick Wills, who are likely first or second round picks. You have a running back in Najee Harris, who's a big physical guy between the tackles. Lacks a burst, but definitely physical. And then defensively, a lot of young guys on that defense, but they're led by the likes of Anthony Jennings at, at outside linebacker, Raquan Davis there at uh, at defensive end, um, Trevin Diggs at at uh, corner, Xavier McKinney at safety. All of those guys have a chance to be first rounders or really top forty picks uh, when it's all said and done. And then you're sitting there looking at Penn State at number four. So you have two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams. Penn State, obviously, that that defense is ferocious. Robert Windsor at defensive tackle, nobody's really talking about him. 
Uh, nobody's really talking about Shaka Tony there at defensive end, but who they are talking about, and, and for good reason, is Yator Gross Matos, a guy who I think could very well be a first-round defensive end. Uh, he, he wreaks havoc in opposing backfields. I want to see him really get home against the quarterback. Haven't really gotten to see a ton of that this year, but definitely a guy who can be a force up front. K.J. Hamler on offense, the receiver. He has a, a good chance of, of being a, a day-two pick when it's all said and done, be a slot receiver. There's so much depth to this wide receiver position in, in the 2020 draft. He could very well fall to day three, which means he's likely going to come back for one more year there with the Nittany Lions. Outside the top four, Clemson Tigers, they're, they're sitting there at 9-0. and Trevor Lawrence, we know we're going to be talking about him next season, but Travis Etienne, you know, only nine carries to get him over 200 yards a week ago against Wofford. Uh, this is a guy who is a special back in terms of the the speed. His he's a can take take the you know the top off of a defense at any given point. Has a, a threat to go the distance. Improved pass catcher, improved pass blocker as well. I think he's really improving his draft stock. After Clemson, well, obviously, before we talk about uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, who are sitting there at number six, Clemson, Isaiah Simmons, that outside linebacker, he should be a top 10, top 12 pick, in my opinion. He's the new age outside linebacker, a guy who has the range to play the run, has the ability to drop back and and, uh, into coverage, can blitz the quarterback as well. Excellent athlete. A.J. Terrell there at corner is going to be a guy that is going to garner some consideration um, into day two. Uh, Georgia Bulldogs led by Jake Fromm. And look, you can say what you want. Obviously, Tua and and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are going to be the top three quarterbacks. But what Jake Fromm does, he may not have the the fancy arm or anything like that, but you'd have to talk about the intangibles. This is a guy who's been a three-year starter there for the Bulldogs, and, and the pre-snap reads, what he does with that offense, putting them in the right position, taking what the defense gives him, audibling when he needs to. Uh, this is a guy who just knows, has full command of that offense, and to me, I, I think that's something, there, there's a lot to be said there. You see what Gardner Minshew uh, and Daniel Jones, to a lesser extent, that that experience gets you out on the football field a lot quicker there in the NFL. DeAndre Swift, one of the better running backs, excellent hands out of the backfield, a guy who has a nice burst in the open field as well, can can run the ball a little bit between the tackles. Andrew Thomas, who we're going to be talking about here in just a moment, is a potential top 10 pick at left tackle. If we're talking about uh, offensive linemen, though, looking at number seven, Oregon Ducks, Panay Sewell, He'll be the first tackle taken in the 2021 draft. Let's just get that uh, straight right now. But uh, Justin Herbert, the quarterback, he's a guy that uh, you know people you know are kind of mixed emotions on. You know, this is a kid with a big arm. Reminds you a lot of Josh Allen with the athleticism and, and the size. But is he a leader? Does he make the right decision? Um, you know, th- those are there are some concerns there for him. But uh, Oregon with that offensive line, Shane Lemieux, Calvin Throckmorton, Jake Hansen may not be the most athletically gifted guys, but guys who I think are going to make an NFL roster and end up starting uh, in the league for quite a while. Utah sitting there at uh, at number eight. Eight and one on the year, and the Utes in, in the driver's seat now with USC losing to Oregon uh, a week ago for the Pac-12 South. 
when you look at them, they're ferocious up front defensively. Lecky Fotu, Bradley and I, uh, Francis Bernard, who's an underrated inside linebacker. You have Jalen Johnson at corner, Julian Blackman at safety, and then obviously offensively, uh, you have the bell cow, Zach Moss. If he can stay healthy, Zach Moss could very well be uh, you know, in consideration for top 40, top 50, but you know, all the injuries, that's going to be a red flag. The medicals have to check out for him, but he should be a day two pick. Oklahoma, kind of on the outside looking in a little bit after their loss to Kansas State. Coming off a bye, they'll be playing Iowa State this weekend. Uh, the number nine ranked, ninth ranked Sooners have arguably the best inside linebacker in Kenneth Murray. The speed, the size. Uh, he still has some some problems with, with gap discipline. Gets himself out of position a little bit, but he's a guy who is going to be in consideration as a first-round pick. Probably a late first-rounder. Um, obviously, C.D. Lamb, you know, and uh, a guy who really looked a lot like Julio Jones against Texas with the way the physicality and the speed. Uh, he's somebody who I think could potentially sneak his way into the top 10, but he'll probably end up being a, you know, probably 12 or 13 pick um, in, in the draft come April. Um, you know, OU also, you have Jalen Hurts, the transfer, the grad transfer from Alabama. Uh, Jalen Hurts is a guy who at the quarterback position after the top four, you have a lot of juniors who have a decision to make. They could all end up coming back, which will leave Jalen Hurts as one of those guys that could potentially sneak his way into day two consideration. This was a guy everyone was talking about, you know, really more so as a an athlete than anything else. He's shown that he can run an offense, that he's picked it up pretty quickly, and he's just going to continue to develop. Um, you know, I remember Dak Prescott as a junior, uh, you know, really was an athlete playing quarterback. Senior year there at Mississippi State really became a quarterback who just happened to be a good athlete. Jalen Hurts isn't quite there yet, but that jump that he's been able to make from Alabama to OU, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he can do at the next level as a developmental prospect. And then Florida, you know, at number 10, rounding out the top 10, the seven and two Gators. LaMichael Pirine running the football. Here's a guy running behind a really uh, inexperienced offensive line, but still finding a way to get yards after contact, really using that leg drive and uh, showing a, a pretty good burst, you know, vision to find the holes where, you know, really he's just looking for a crease. Van Jefferson, one of the most underrated receivers there for Kyle Trask, who's filling in for the injured Felipe Franks, a quarterback. Defensively, obviously Jabari Zuniga and uh, Jonathan Greenard, you know, they're up front. If they can stay healthy, that's going to go a long way for Florida defensively. You have C.J. Henderson, who's one of the better corners in the in the league. The, the The problem is, is he has to be consistent. Has to also be able to show that he can tackle. You know, I know a lot of these corners can be shut down corners, but are they going to be physical? Are they going to be able to tackle? That's really what sets you apart from some of these other guys. He could still end up being a first round pick, but it's one of those things to where I've seen him get beat. You know, he's been getting beat in recent weeks, and uh, if he doesn't like the physical play then I think that's going to end up hurting your draft stock, especially when you have guys like Okuda, Paulson Adebo. We talked about Trevin Diggs. Those are guys that aren't afraid to get them, themselves dirty you know, and, and, and do the dirty work. So um, C.J. Henderson is going to have to show that he's able to do that. So those are the top 10. Just going through it really quickly with the college football rankings. And a lot 
really left obviously to be be determined. We've got five of those uh, rankings to come out. So this one's probably the one that means the least because the one that means the most obviously is the one at the very end. And this is one really kind of starting things out. You know, it'll be interesting to look back on it and say, you know what, what were those initial rankings? Because we know a lot's going to change, especially after this weekend, LSU, Alabama, Penn State playing Minnesota. Uh, Georgia's going to be playing one of the SEC, um, you know, SEC West champions uh, in the SEC championship. Oregon's going to be playing Utah more than likely. OU's going to get another crack uh, potentially at at Baylor or or Kansas State. They're in a Big 12 championship. So there's going to be a lot left to play for. I'm looking forward to to the end of the season. I think it's really going to shape up to be, uh, you know, you really don't know which way this is going to go right now. And I think that's what makes it so much fun. So what are we going to do this week? We're going to go ahead and take a look at the tight ends and the offensive line. In past weeks, we've talked about the quarterbacks. As, as I mentioned earlier, Tua, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert really setting themselves apart from everyone else. Then there's Jake Fromm. Uh, you know, Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, Jamie Newman. There's another name to remember. And he's a guy who, you know, you look at, at Jacob Eason, um, inconsistent play. You know, he was under pressure quite a bit against Utah. And, you know, when he had time in the pocket, he was picking, uh, picking the Utes apart. But when he was under pressure, that's when you really saw a lot of errant throws. Uh, Jordan Love. Struggling to see the entire field. He's kind of a different quarterback. Struggling in the first year under under Gary Anderson in his second stint there at Utah State. Uh, really thrived under Matt Wells, who's taken off for Texas Tech. Um, you know, so Jordan Love, does he come back to Utah State? Does he look to be a, a grad transfer and, and move on to somewhere else? You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Sam Ellinger at Texas, another junior who I think is having a, you know, a, a breakout year of sorts, you know, really emerging as a, a quarterback to be reckoned with. And then, uh, like I said, Jamie Newman, 6'4", 230 pounds, the junior, excellent arm, accuracy, you know, is is in the high 60s. And, uh, you know, he also has those weapons, Sage Surratt, Scotty Washington. Um, if you haven't gotten to watch the Demon Deacons play, um, you're in for a treat. You got to tune in and watch them play. Uh, Dave Clawson really has something going there. I hope Jamie Newman comes back for one more year. But uh, depending on what happens with some of these other juniors, you know, it'd be interesting to see what would happen. Um, you know, if he were to to come come out, he could potentially be that fifth quarterback. Running backs, you know, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Travis Etienne, J.K. Dobbins. Now Chuba Hubbard has really emerged as a a uh, that sprinter speed. Um, you know, over 13, 1400 yards now, and uh, I think Chuba Hubbard has really emerged. You know, really put himself into that consideration as a a top five running back. You know, it's not really a talk about just four running backs anymore. He's emerged and put himself into the top five wide receivers, Jerry, Judy, CD lamb, Henry Ruggs, T uh, T Higgins, LaVisca Chenault in the top five. But look, Michael Pittman jr. What he's been able to do there at USC, you know, teams are, are double and triple covering him. They're really changing their offense, you know, and gearing it around stopping 
Pittman. That's why if you watch USC play Tyler Vaughn, Amonra St. Brown, they're getting a lot of the you know the the balls. Uh, as is Drake London, the the talented freshman who's also on the basketball team. But Michael Pittman Jr. is you know he's that he's that special. You know he's a guy that teams are having to to game plan around him specifically. They don't want him to beat you. And when you're talking about that, when you have defenses that are game planning to to shut you down, you got something there. So, you know, we're, we're going to go ahead and talk about the tight ends now. And uh, at the top of my list is Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. 6'5", 245 pounds, uh, really started emerging a season ago. I had 34 receptions for 583 yards and, and two touchdowns. Um, but this year... Man, he's already surpassed his receptions with 42, um, over 500 yards again, three touchdowns. But uh, he's not only a downfield threat, um, he's a guy who can go, you know, he's a weapon over the middle. He's been a guy in the red zone that they're looking to. And Purdue's had quite a few quarterbacks get injured uh, from Elijah Sindelar all the way through, uh, you know, Plummer uh, this past week, I believe. You know he also got injured, so they're they're struggling there at the quarterback position. But he's been the go-to target. He's been the reliable guy. But he's also an excellent inline blocker. He's probably the most complete of all of the tight ends in this year's draft. He's sitting there at my number one. Cole Komet out of Notre Dame, the six-five, two hundred fifty-pound junior, is sitting there at number two. And here's the thing with with Cole Komet. He's another really good inline blocker. You watch him play uh, there on the outside. Does a really good job setting the edge uh, in the running game as well. 27 receptions, 318 yards, five touchdowns through just six games. He's he's been battling some of the injuries, but uh, when he's healthy. He's absolutely a a threat in the passing game. Excellent hands, attacks the ball in the air, and uh, is a threat to run after the catch. Uh, Cole Komet, uh, a guy, I I look at he and and Hopkins, and they're definitely guys that are are going to be in the top 40, top 50 consideration. Uh, I have Albert uh, Okuli Boonham from Missouri, uh, 6'5", 255-pound, redshirt junior. Now look, Okui Boonham is probably the fastest of the tight ends. He's probably going to run in the 4 or 5 range. And if he does that, you know, you're talking about a guy who's not going to get out of the second round. You're talking about speed. You're talking about a guy who can be a weapon. The biggest issue for him is staying healthy. He's been battling injuries the last two seasons. And, uh, you know, through missing parts of games and out, out other games and really has been that weapon for Drew Locke a season ago and uh, and Kelly Bryant this year. He needs to really prove that he can stay healthy. And, and that, that's ultimately what I think is going to hinder his draft stock a little bit. He's not the best blocker of the bunch right now. But, uh, you know, he's only played, he played nine games as a freshman, nine games as a sophomore, and just seven games so far as a junior. So, you know, he, he's someone who, yes, you know, 23 touchdowns in his career, including 11 as a freshman. But, uh, you know, if you can't stay healthy and can't stay out on the football field, then that's going to be a problem for sure. Uh, Jared Pinkney from Vanderbilt, 6'4", 255 pounds. He has a chance to move ahead of uh, Akue Boonham, but you know because of the fact that he is a little bit more polished as a blocker. Um, you know, but the thing with it is, is is Jared Pinkney 
you know, Vanderbilt, we were expecting with, with Pinckney at tight end and, and Elijah Lipscomb at wide receiver and Keyshawn Vaughn at running back that Vanderbilt was really going to take off, especially with Riley Neal coming in as a grad transfer from Ball State. Just hasn't happened. And you look at Pinckney, just 15 receptions on the year for 157 yards. Now, they've struggled a bit on offense, and uh, you know that has something to do with it for sure. Um, you know, Last year with Kyle Shermer, a quarterback, 50 catches, over 700 yards, seven touchdowns, you know, 15.5 yards per reception, showing that he can be a downfield threat, really a threat up the seam, um, excellent over the middle as well, pretty good route runner, 6'4", 260 pounds. Um, you know, I, I think he can end up being the number three tight end, uh, but I just don't see him yet on the level of, of Bryson Hopkins and Cole Komet. Outside of those top four, Hunter Bryant out of Washington. I've got him sitting there at number five. He's 6'2", 237-pound junior. You hear that 6'2", 237, you're thinking that he's a, he's a bigger wide receiver, and, and you wouldn't be wrong there. Uh, you know, I, I think you look at, at Hunter Bryant, and he does look like a big receiver. He's out there in the slot, out on the outside. But if you watched him against, uh, against Utah, going against Julian Blackman, really just ate him alive. Ran a double move on a, really a slot fade and wound up catching the ball over his shoulder, tracked the ball really well, looked like a receiver on the play. And I, you know, I, I think he's still developing as a blocker for sure. But, uh, you know, 36 catches, 557 yards, three touchdowns on the year. He just, he looks like that big wide out. And, you know, I, I think for that, he, he's been one of the favorite targets of uh, Jacob Eason. And, and so that's something that, you know, he has going for him. When you talk about Evan Ingram, from a season ago, or I'm sorry, a couple seasons ago, the 2017 draft. He's 6'3", 227 pounds, uh, was a, a downfield threat for sure for Ole Miss. 65 catches, 926 yards, and 8 touchdowns in his senior season. Those were stats that ultimately got him drafted 23 overall by the Giants uh, in that first round. But uh, similar build, similar body, body type. So when you're talking about the type of player that... Um, Hunter Bryan is, that's the first name that comes to mind, Evan Engram. He's going to be one of those guys that's going to be split out uh, and will have to develop as a blocker. I look at Grant Calcaterra of Oklahoma, 6'4", 240 pounds, the junior from Southern California. He, he reminds me of another Mark Andrews. The problem with Grant Calcaterra, I think he's probably going to come back to Norman for one more season to play with the Sooners. Uh, and, and the reason being is he just seems to, he's been struggling with injuries. And, uh, you know, he's questionable with an upper body injury, missed the last three games. Um, not really sure if he's going to be playing against Iowa State right now. Uh, played in only five games as a freshman. Um, struggled with some injuries a season ago. Only played in three games this year. So he's going to have to prove that he can stay healthy uh, throughout an entire season. So I anticipate him coming back to to Norman. But I have him penciled in as my number six wideout. Just be, or, uh, I'm sorry, number six tight end because... Frankly, he reminds me a lot of Mark Andrews, and you see the success that he's had with the Baltimore Ravens to this point. Sitting at number seven is Colby Parkinson out of Stanford, 6'7", 240-pound junior. And Colby Parkinson, you know, he has tremendous size, um, making him a red zone threat. He's been somebody that whoever's playing quarterback for, for Stanford, he's been that go-to target, a guy that they really want to get the ball to. Um, you know, I think he emerged a season ago, you know, seven, seven touchdowns last year, 16.7 yards per reception. Um, really good route runner. 
uh, for a guy his size. And look, Stanford tight ends all know how to block, uh, especially in that, that power running game. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's someone who's continuing to develop. And, you know, I, I, I think he's a guy who would probably be a, a early day three pick, but a guy who I think will stick on rosters. You look at Stanford tight ends, you know, Levine Toilolo is still sitting on a roster. He is a, a bigger, you know, I think Parkinson's a more athletic version of a, a guy like Toy Lolo. Toy Lolo, you know, also six seven. Um, you know, Parkinson, I think better receiver, better athlete. Um, so be interesting to see where, where Parkinson goes, but I think he could end up being an early day three pick. Now, Adam Troutman out of Dayton, 6'6", 250 pounds. And I'll tell you what, he, he's a uh, a tremendous receiver. He's a guy that people aren't really talking about, and I want to get more game film on him. But I, I just I look at at the stats, you know, and I've gotten to watch some of the highlights. And this is a you know a big guy who has tremendous hands, a downfield threat, a guy who's going to be a weapon up the seam, and uh, he just makes plays, you know. And, and you look at his his stat lines, and uh, 100, 160 catches in his career for over two thousand yards and twenty eight touchdowns, including eleven this season to this point. Fifty two catches this year for over six hundred eighty eight yards. Um, you know, and, and 20 touchdowns in the last two seasons combined. He, he's a guy that you really want to keep an eye out for, and uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing him uh, at the combine, see how he runs. He could be a guy that could be rising up draft boards. And look, you know, I've got a couple of juniors that are sitting there ahead of him. There's a good chance that Adam Troutman's just going to continue to move up draft boards. Uh, Jacob Breland out of Oregon, 6'4", 250 pounds. He's among the leaders in, at uh, the tight end position until he he tore his ACL and was out for the year. Jacob Breland, look, he's got the speed. I, th- I thought he was a decent blocker as well, but that speed, his ability to separate, especially from defensive backs, made him a, a special player uh, for the Oregon Ducks. I just worry about that knee now and where he's at, uh, where he's going to be. He won't be able to participate at the Combine. Uh, so teams will kind of have to really gauge that knee, make sure that he's going to be able to make a full recovery. But I think that's going to impact his draft stock. You know, if he had a chance at at day two, I think that's pretty much gone at this point. Um, I think he could probably still be a, a fourth or fifth round pick. Um, but uh, you know, it, it'll be remain to be seen. You know, where where he's going to end up. You know, a lot of it's going to deter- be determined by those medicals. Uh, Harrison Bryant, an un, you know virtually. You know, a guy that people aren't really talking about out of Florida Atlantic, 6'7", 240 pounds. And look, um, you know, we were talking about Hunter Bryant, and I, I think he's the the receiver version of, uh, you know, the, the, at the tight end position. And, and Harrison Bryant is a big physical tight end, um, you know, back-to-back seasons with over 600 yards, um, you know, and 44 receptions at least in each of the seasons as well. Um, big physical guy, still developing as a blocker, but uh, a guy who I think could end up being a number two tight end um, for a team at the next level. And then rounding things out, Matt Bushman out of BYU, 6'5", 245 pounds. He's been the go-to guy there for uh, the BYU Cougars and uh, you know, actually the last couple of seasons, and he's a, he's a weapon. You know, uh, just 28 receptions so far this year, 398 yards uh, and three touchdowns. But he's a guy 
Um, they, they just need to continue to get the ball to, to Bushman because he, he's a matchup nightmare. Um, he's faster than the linebackers, bigger than the safeties, and uh, a guy who is a weapon up the seam. So I'm waiting to see if you know what's going to happen there with, with Bushman. He's only a junior, so he could come back for one more year. And, uh, you know, frankly, I, I think it would probably behoove him to come back uh, to Provo for one more year and, and really work on that draft stock a little bit more. So that's my, my look at the tight end position. Um, really, you know, I, I don't know that there's a first rounder in this group. I think you're probably talking about a few day two uh, prospects there in your first, I'd say probably about four tight ends. Maybe Hunter Bryant could sneak in there, depending on what his forty time would be if he decides to come out. Um, you know, but the junior class with the tight ends would really be adding some depth to this position. So let's move into the trenches and talk about the offensive line, offensive tackle position specifically. We'll jump in there first, and when you're talking about the offensive tackles. Uh, you know, I think the last few years we, we've looked at the tackle position and um, you're not a position with, with a ton of depth. And I think that's going to change this year. We're going to see quite a few uh, offensive tackles taken in, uh, in, in the early rounds of this draft. You know, if you were to look at, at last season, uh, the, the 2019 draft, you did have four offensive tackles taken in round number one with Jonah Williams, Andre Dillard, Titus Howard, and uh, and Caleb McGarry all going in round number one. And uh, you know that was really the first time that we had seen four four offensive tackles taken in round number one since 2016. That was a year with Ronnie Stanley, Jack Conklin, uh, Laramie Tunsil, and, and Taylor Decker uh, all taken in uh, the top 16 picks of that draft. Um, but the last couple of, of, of drafts, you know, we had Mike McGlinchey and, and Colton Miller, the only two offensive tackles taken in, uh, in round number one in 2018, 2017. We also saw Garrett Bowles, Ryan Ramchek. That was a draft that really, um, you know, you look at, uh, you know, some of the names there with, with that draft, uh, you know, Cam Robinson, you know, has gotten to start for the Jaguars, um, you know, Sam Tevy started for the Chargers. He was taken in round number six, but not a whole lot of depth there to that offensive tackle group. Um, you know, and it really showed because only 15 offensive tackles were taken in that draft. As you know, you know, you compare that to um, you know this past season's draft, we actually had 23 tackles. When you look at that draft, you know, not only did you have those guys in the first round, you had Jawan Taylor, Greg Little, Cody Ford, Dalton Reisner. Max Sharping playing guard for the Texans and starting. Chuma Adoga starting at left tackle for the Jets. He was taken in round number three. You know, Bobby Evans, David Edwards, uh, Justin School getting some starting time there for uh, the San Francisco 49ers. He was taken in round number six. So, yeah, there was some depth, obviously, at that offensive tackle position uh, in, in last year's draft. A lot of guys taken in the first three rounds. Um so I, I think that's really one of the things when we're talking about this draft class. I think we have um, four or five guys at the top that we're really going to be looking at. And depending on what happens with a few of the juniors, um, you know, we could have even more depth to it. You know, there's there's some injuries that uh, this draft class really 
you know, was hit with Walker Little of Stanford, who was really expected to be one of the top two or three tackles in this year's draft. He went out for the year. Uh, and so that kind of hurt things a little bit at, at the tackle position. And Alaric Jackson, a guy for, for Iowa, he's come back, but he really hasn't looked the same. You know, and, and that's one of the things that I look at. He may still enter the draft, but I would argue that it would be better for him to come back for one more season there in, in uh, Iowa City with the Hawkeyes and, and play out that senior season, really improve that draft stock a little bit because he looks looked to be a little step slow uh, coming back and you know has been beaten repeatedly on the outside. So I'd love to see him come back for one more year. But when you're talking about the top of this draft, there are three, well, really four uh, juniors in my top five. And uh, number one on my list right now is Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. 6'5", 322-pound junior, uh, three-year starter there for Iowa, playing there on the right side, but uh, filled in for Alaric Jackson at left tackle, showed better footwork than I was expecting there at the left tackle position, nice short stop, uh, choppy steps, struggled a little bit with uh, with speed, uh, coming off the edge, but I thought he filled in admirably. Uh, you can really tell that right tackle is more of his comfort zone. Um, really good athleticism, able to mirror defenders, uh, but the power, that's really what what you see with him. Uh, you know, Brandon Sheriff was a guy that I really wanted to watch there at Iowa. And you know, when you're talking about Brandon Sheriff, um, I, I think everyone remembers the hang clean. And, and he was a guy that really kind of set uh everything up you know by storm you said youtube and everybody really talking about hey brandon sheriff out of iowa you know, look at that hang clean and, and that's one of the things that iowa released before the season began everyone talking about it hang uh hang cleaning uh i believe it was 480 pounds uh, actually in iowa it was up it was up to 410 pounds i think he's hang cleaning uh 480 now there at uh, at washington but uh tristan Wirfs posted his own video uh, there on, on YouTube with his own hang clean. And, and he was able to put up three reps at uh, 400 and let's see, it was 450 pounds, made it look easy. So the power there out of a guy like Tristan Wirfs, you see that he's very heavy handed. Um, but one of the things that I'd like to see him do a little bit more, that one of the things that Brandon, Brandon, uh, Brandon Scherf really did well was sustaining his blocks. You know, he once he locked on, he wasn't letting go, and I think that's one of the things that you don't always see out of Tristan uh, Tristan Wirfs in the running game, especially when he climbs to the second level. Sustain that block, really finish it, play it all the way to the whistle, and uh, you know that's what I think he's lacking a little bit in his game. Now Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, 6'5", 320 pound junior. I think he and Wirfs are going to battle it out to be the top tackle taken, and I have a good feeling that these two guys. Will both end up being taken in the top ten. Why? There are guys, you know, there are teams sitting there in the top ten who have their quarterback. Hello, Cleveland Browns. Hello, New York Jets. You know, those are two teams that absolutely need offensive tackle help. They just do, and these are two guys that could absolutely do that. You know, Washington's another one. You know what what's going to happen with um, Trent Williams? He's likely not going to be back there for the Redskins, so that's also an option. But uh, if I'm them, I'm I'm 
and Chase Young is still on the board, then I'm absolutely taking Chase Young. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But Andrew Thomas, um, I don't think he has ideal length. You know, he, uh, despite the fact that he's six five, um, arm length doesn't look to be ideal. But look, you know, Isaiah Wim proved that uh, you don't need to have the long arms to succeed. Uh, there at the tackle position and ultimately got himself drafted in round number one. Shouldn't worry about that. Look, Joe Thomas is a Hall of Famer, and uh, he's got shorter arms. So I think we can kind of put that argument to bed. Uh, but he, he still, you know, he plays with good leverage. He's a knee natural knee bender, a guy who does extend those arms underneath the pad level of the uh, defensive end, does a good job standing him up and uh, gets a good good push, good leg drive. Uh, want to see a little bit more power out of him. But at the same time, uh, he and Solomon Kinley will really uh, cave in that left side there for the Bulldogs. Um, Alex Leatherwood sitting there at number three, 6'6", 310-pound junior out of Alabama. He's the first of the two uh, Bama offensive tackles that we're going to be talking about. And Alex Leatherwood, he started last year at guard. You know, if you'll remember, Jonah Williams was the was the left tackle, and there was talk who's going to be playing left tackle for Bama. You've got Jedrick Will sitting there at right tackle, Matt Womack. Who is going to play left tackle? Is is Leatherwood going to stay at guard? I actually had him penciled in uh, my initial rankings as a guard because you really didn't know what to expect, and really you're thinking, all right, if he's not going to play inside, maybe he'll, you know, the 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 ceiling is going to be at right tackle, but I'll tell you what, he's absolutely a left tackle at the next level. You know, a guy who, uh, very nimble with his feet, you know, and, and you can see that, you know, his ability to pop out of his stance, uses long, his long arms to his advantage, active hands, and, uh, a guy who is just an easy mover. And I was surprised to see him move as well as he does. Um, and then you see that power in the running game that he's he's really developed as a guard, and he's really taken that to the offensive tackle position. So that that versatility, you know, I think he and Tristan Wirfs have some some versatility on some of these other guys at the offensive tackle position. Um, so I, I think he'll he'll probably be a top fifteen, top sixteen pick um, if the Chargers don't end up, you know, who knows where the charges are going to be, if they're going to be a top 10 pick or not. But, um, you know, I, I think if they're looking for a tackle position and, and Thomas and Wirfs are off the board, then Alex Leatherwood would absolutely be a guy that they're looking at. Trey Adams out of Washington, 6'8", 314 pounds. Look, after this guy's sophomore year, everyone was talking about him as potentially being the number one overall pick. And then a torn ACL, back injury a season ago really hit his draft stock in a major way we're talking about major red flags durability concerns is he going to hold up over a 16 game season big concern right last season as after he came back from the back injury really looked a step slow struggling with guys coming off the edge What's going to happen with Trey Adams? Well, this year, he's really redeemed himself. You know, he stayed healthy, and he's been the anchor for the Washington Huskies there at the at the left tackle position. The knee bend, you know, he's one of the better, uh, you know, in terms of flexibility, one of the better offensive tackles uh, in in this draft. You know, the, the knee bend is absolutely there. He pops out of his stance. And, and you know, for a guy who's 6'8", 
you know, he, he has pretty good flexibility, really heavy handed, really going to look to, to strike your, you know, strike his guy and really throw him off of his route um, to the quarterback, that arc that they're running. He really, that punch is going to jolt him and really stun them. Uh, really effortless with his uh, power step back to the inside on uh, secondary moves. Um, one of the things that I, I thought was interesting, though, if you watch the game against Utah, his kick slide is really quite shallow. And I think some of the other guys that we've already talked about with Wirfs, Thomas, Leatherwood, I like the angle to their kick slide. They're beating guys to the edge, and yet they still have the athleticism and the lateral agility to be able to counter those those secondary moves, be able to, you know, plant that left foot and explode back with a power step back to the inside to pick up that inside secondary rush. Now, Trey Adams, you know, what what he does have, he has that those powerful hands and uh, does a really good job. He has pretty quick feet for a guy his size. So even though a guy might get to that outside shoulder with that narrow kick slide, I'm sorry, the shallow kick slide, um, you know, not getting a ton of depth, he's really, you know, almost stepping, not quite parallel, but it's not at the depth that you'd like to see where he's beating guys to the edge. Uh, I think Bradley and I was beating him to the edge at times, but because he had some some recovery speed and, and his ability, he never panicked, got the hands in, would push the guy, uh, you know, uh, push Bradley and I up the field and away from the pocket, away from Jacob Eason. But the problem was he kind of weared down a little bit there uh, in the fourth quarter. You know, if you watch that game, the foot speed after Bradley and I was getting to that outside shoulder just wasn't there. And Bradley and I eventually got to the quarterback, was able to get him, get attack that outside shoulder, and he had that shallow kick slide, didn't get any depth to it. And, you know, it's one of those things I would have liked to have seen him you know, okay, if you don't have the foot speed, if you're lacking some of that conditioning or lacking, um, you know, the, the the ability to get out there and explode out of your stance, then at least take an angle that's going to make things a little bit tougher for Bradley and I to get to the edge. And really, once he got there, um, you know, got to the outside, there really wasn't a whole lot that uh, Trey Adams was able to do. So I, I think that's really the biggest thing that I saw out of him. But in the running game, he's absolutely physical. Um, he, he's got uh, that, that punch. Um, I, I think he's somebody who's going to be a first-round pick. And I'd really want to see how the medicals test, you know, and really how he tests at the combine as well. Um, because I, I think the first three have kind of separated themselves as, as top 15 top 20 picks and uh, Trey Adams is probably a, a mid to late first rounder right now just because of the injuries but if he can prove that he's healthy um, I, I think there's a good chance that you could see Trey Adams continue to move up draft boards speaking of guys who's moving up draft boards we're going to stay in the Pac-12 and talk about a guy from USC and Austin Jackson uh, 6'6", 310-pound junior. If you saw at the beginning of the season, you know, he was a, you know, donated his kidney uh, to his his sister. Uh, really a great story. But look, the athleticism out of uh, Austin Jackson that is absolutely there. If you tuned in and watched the game against Oregon, um, he was really having his way on, on the outside. The athleticism to, to easily mirror guys on the outside, um, you know, has 
really long arms, um, quick out of his stance, really light on his feet. You know, I thought that he did a good job anchoring well um, on the edge. Um, let's see, good angle on his kick slide, uh, excellent hand placement. Um, looking at my notes throughout that game, decent punch with his hands. Uh, let's see. You know, really did a good job keeping the the you know the the freshman phenom uh came on Thibodeau in front of him. Um you know a lot of times Thibodeau would beat him with speed um uh, but he was able to still push him up the field and away from from the quarterback. Didn't really panic, was able to still do that, didn't need to hold him. Um you know did a really good job too with with those strike uh you know the strike with his hands, that punch throwing Thibodeau off and really, you know, stifling that run to, to some degree. And I look at Austin Jackson, that athleticism is really something that teams are going to be looking for out of a, a left tackle. And I look at him, the polish that you see from him, he doesn't give up very many, uh, very many quarterback hurries. So I think he's someone who's going to continue to rise up draft boards. So number six on my list is a guy out of UConn, Matt Pert, at a 6'7", 302 pounds, uh, from Kingston, Jamaica. And when you watch him, he, he's really light on his feet uh, in pass protection, but the knee bend, it is, it, it's incredible. You know, you can see the basketball background because he gets so low in pass pro. So he takes those hands, and it's really hard to out-leverage this guy because the hands, he's got long arms, and he just extends them right into that chest plate of the defensive end and just stands the guy up and really able then, at that point, to really mirror the guy wherever he's going. And, uh, you know, phenomenal uh, knee bend and that athleticism really, you know, he uses that to his advantage. He's able to climb to the second level in, in the run game, um, you know, what, what's crazy is, is I'm, I'm reading my notes uh, in the game against Houston and the defensive end, you know, trying to rip under him, but uh, really used his hands, kept that ha- those hands inside, locked on. And, you know, that the, the defensive end really was having a hard time uh, when he was trying to rip through. He just wasn't letting go. Very easy mover laterally. Uh, the kick slide was really quick. Um, you know, no need to really open up because he was beating the guy to the edge, and then after that, he was able to control his man. Still a little raw, still a developmental guy, especially in the run game, but the athleticism's absolutely there, and he's kind of like, you know, that 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 clay that you can just mold into a, a top tackle, and I know that there's going to be an offensive line coach that's just looking at this kid saying, can we get him somewhere on day two? Don't let him, don't wait until day three, because he's not going to be there. Jedrick Wills, out of Alabama, the junior, 6'5", 320 pounds. Look, I wasn't jumping on the Jedrick Wills train to begin with. You know, a lot of people were talking about him, and I was thinking, all right, this guy, you know, he's he's got power, but is he really that athletic? And, and the answer is yes. You know, this is a guy who moves really well for a right tackle. Um, you know, and that the power, though, and that's something that, you're really looking for out of out of that right tackle. You know, he's somebody that Bama can run behind and 
He's going to use his hands. He's going to strike you. He's going to try to look to maul you a little bit. And uh, that leg drive to really drive his man down the field. Uh, I, I think Jedrick Wills, he has a chance to come back for one more year, potentially even move over to the left tackle position where he could, uh, if, if Leatherwood decides to come out, and potentially show off some of that athleticism. But, uh, you know, he, he right now I have him slated as my number seven tackle. Uh, there's still a chance that he could end up vaulting some of these other guys and end up as a, a late first uh, first round pick. But, uh, you know, look, we talked about uh, Jawan Taylor as a potential first rounder. There were some people that even had him in the top 10 at one point. He ended up coming off the board number 35 overall. Greg Little, another guy that we were talking about, he actually played on the left side. You know, he went 37 overall. Cody Ford, a right tackle. He went number 38. Uh, you know, Dalton Reisner, a right tackle, also went in round number two. And he was the guy that we were talking about at one point going in round number one. Uh, so Jedrick Wills, to me, is the guy that's probably going to end up being a day two pick right now. Uh, just looking at uh, at the landscape. So there's a good chance that he may decide to come back for one more year uh, with the Crimson Tide. Uh, speaking of, of tackles that are likely going to be a day two pick, Calvin Throckmorton out of Oregon. This guy played four positions, left tackle, right tackle. Um, I believe it was right guard and, and center when Jake Hansen went down. Looked a little you know, like a fish out of water there at the center position. Um, but at, at right tackle, that's really his home. And you see some, some pretty decent athleticism. He was pulling. He was a lead blocker for C.J. Verdell. Uh, there were a couple of other wide receiver screens, and he was one of those guys getting 10, 10 15 yards down the field uh, to make some blocks. 6'5", 309. He's a veteran offensive tackle. Look, people were, were doubting Max Sharping, and I was telling everyone this is going to be a guy who's going to start sooner rather than later. We saw that with the with the Houston Texans. He was getting in there, starting, playing well, and I think Calvin Throckmorton is one of those guys who could potentially do the same. Prince Tega Winogo. Out of Auburn, 6'7", 305 pounds. Now look, this is a guy who I think everybody saw the athleticism, talked about him being a raw developmental guy, and I think he's still developing, but he's really you know turned himself and transformed himself into a guy that we're not really talking about as much as a raw prospect as we are a legitimate left tackle at the next level. I don't think he's ready just yet to step into a starting role, but uh, you know, keep a keep an eye on Auburn because not only is is Prince Tegawinogo um you know, a guy who's going to be drafted um, in the first three, four rounds. You also have Jack Driscoll, the right tackle, 6'5", 296 pounds, very polished. You know, I think he's he offers more athleticism than I was expecting. Uh, a guy who moves pretty well laterally. Uh, so he's somebody who I think is, you know, Auburn with two tackles, Alabama with two tackles. Those are really my guys in my in my top ten. I've got Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame, six six three zero five. You know, he's a guy who struggles with some speed at times. Um, you know, but uh, he he can potentially be a, a swing tackle at the next level. Um, Ezra Cleveland out of out of Boise State. He's he's kind of a an undersized guy um, to some degree. And he's very athletic, very nimble, and, and a guy who just that lateral agility is absolutely there, but he lacks the power. There's virtually no power, no real punch in his game, doesn't really drive guys off the football. Um, he's going to have to get stronger before he's going to be able to really make an impact. Uh, and then finally, Josh Jones out of Houston, 6'7", 310 pounds. 
uh, very easy mover in the pass uh, in the passing game, but he's another guy who I think struggles uh, as a run blocker. Doesn't really sustain his blocks. I think he relies on his athleticism a little too much, and uh, you know I think because of that lack of polish, he's going to see himself kind of slide a little bit in the draft. So that's the offensive tackle position. We're going to take a look at the offensive guards now. Tennessee's Trey Smith, uh, 6'6", 325 pounds. Uh, The junior, if you'll remember, uh, dealing with blood clots. He's been cleared to play. And, uh, you know, he he looked like a guard when he was playing left tackle. And uh, now that he's kicked into left guard, you really see his ability to explode off the ball and uh, use that power. Uh, really generates a lot of movement, uh, pretty good knee bender as well, offers some versatility to play outside at the offensive tackle position in a pinch, um, but I think his home is going to be a guard, and uh, I can see him being a day two pick. Uh, you know, Tommy Kramer out of Notre Dame, uh, unfortunately was injured out for the year, 6'6", 316 pounds. Alex Bars of Notre Dame was another guy that uh, was being talked about last year as a potential um, high draft pick. And then due to injury, um, you know, didn't really pick up much steam in the draft. So when you look at Tommy Kramer, he's a junior. There is a good chance that he could come back for one more year. I'd like to see him do that because, um, you know, honestly, you look at last year's draft, only 12 guards were taken. So, you know, unless there's a guarantee that he's going to end up being a guy uh, that's coming off the board day two, I think, you know, get healthy come back to Notre Dame one more year and then uh, you know, show that you can, you're fully recovered and be able to improve your draft stock. Now, one of the guys that everyone's talking about is uh, um, Natane Muti and uh, yeah, out of Fresno State. He's 6'3", 307, the junior, uh, just as a mauler. I mean, he, he reminds you a little bit of Quentin Nelson. He's got some nastiness to his game. Uh, played in just three games this year. And uh, ultimately went down with a Liz Frank foot injury. You know, you'll remember that that was an injury that slowed uh, Marquise Brown up a little bit there uh, as he was coming out of uh, OU. Offensive lineman that's going to put a little, little bit more stress there on the foot. But durability has to be a concern for him. And he's somebody who, yes, he's emerged you know, as a standout redshirt freshman in 2017. But uh, ruptured his Achilles in 2018. I know what that's like um, because I, I did that. Um, I'm coming up on one year since I, I tore my Achilles. And, uh, you know, that's not the easiest injury to come back from. Um, so he did that. Ended the 2018 season in the second game against Minnesota. Uh, missed his uh, true freshman season in 2016 with a similar injury. So, you know, you're looking at a guy, is he going to enter the draft uh, after his junior year with all the injuries that he had? Had he stayed healthy this year, he may have decided, you know, I'm going to go ahead and put my name into the draft. But uh, after getting injured yet again, I just don't see that being a smart play for him right now because right now the injuries are a huge red flag. So I really don't see, had he uh, stayed healthy. He probably would have been in the, the top three of the of the offensive guards, but I, I think that's a, a huge blow uh, to the the draft. Um, you know, I still have him penciled in as my number nine guard, even with all the injury issues. But uh, I'd be surprised if he enter, enters the draft at this point. Uh, ben Bredesen of Michigan, Shane Lemieux of Oregon, a couple of veteran offensive tackles. Bredesen six five three twenty five, uh, excellent puller. 
Uh, you know, if you watch Michigan the last few weeks, you'll see Ben Bredesen getting out there in space. Uh, you know, and and the thing that I like is he's not just a guy who's going to get out there and pull and just get in the way. He's going to pull around under control, locate the linebacker, get a kickout block or a good seal block. You know, pretty good hips to get around, get his hips around and seal off his man. Um, so I, I do like Ben Bredesen there in the three or four range there at the offensive guard position. Shane Lemieux, over 40 starts to his career, 6'4", 317 pounds. He struggles a little bit with with speed. I think he's a little heavy-footed at times, but uh, he, he's a veteran, does an excellent job. There was a good seal that he had uh, on, on a USC offensive lineman that opened up a huge hole for C.J. Verdell. Um, you know, and there was another run where again, seal block opening in a hole for Travis Dye, uh, and that stable of running backs there for, for the Oregon ducks. Uh, I, I think when you talk about offensive linemen, uh, especially at the offensive guard position, the, the experience, obviously, you know, Chris Lindstrom ended up going 14 overall, Michael Dieter uh, of Wisconsin went number 78 overall. Um, you know, some of these guys who have, that, that experience, uh, Yalte Froholt was a fourth rounder, uh, Wes Martin of Indiana, Phil Haynes of Wake Forest. You know, those were guys were also taken in, in uh, round number four. Michael Jordan was a three-year starter at Ohio State. He was taken in round number four as well. So when you're looking at these guys, having that, uh, that experience, that is going to go a long way. Um, and I think that's what's going to get him drafted probably, you know, early day three would be my guess. Mekhi Becton out of, out of Louisville. He's a left tackle. Uh, for the for the Cardinal and uh, I'm sorry the Cardinals Stanford is the Cardinal uh, he's only a junior 6'5", 368 pounds he's a mammoth man I worry about him and and speed laterally you know is he going to be able to to handle the speed rushers coming off the edge I think he could be a very punishing uh, guard and would be a lot of fun to watch but look I was expecting Marcus Cannon to move inside to guard and he's made a living at, at left ta- at uh, at right tackle. So, you know, Becton, I, I think guard is probably going to be his home. Um, but I think he's a, a top five guard when we're talking about that. Uh, Parker Braun out of Texas, uh, 6'3", 295 pounds. Uh, the grad transfer from, from Georgia Tech. And uh, this is a guy who does a really good job on the move. Um, you know, he's, he's a physical guy, looks to bury you, looks to maul you a little bit. And I think that's, you know, that's indicative of uh you know what Paul Johnson uh was looking for out of his offensive lineman uh and then Robert Hunt out of Lu- uh, Louisiana Lafayette uh 6'5 322 pounds he plays offensive tackle but he's a mean nasty dude um and I think if you put him inside a guard um you know that's what people are looking for guys that are going to be able to get out there and pull you need guys that are going to be in the middle to deal with those interior pass rushers and uh, I'd love to see you know Robert Hunt uh, you know, at the Senior Bowl and at the Combine, he's somebody who I think can move up draft boards, uh, you know, and really start making a name for himself. We got Solomon Kinley sitting there at number eight, six uh, four, three hundred thirty-five pounds, only a junior, could come back for one more year there between the hedges, uh, there in Athens uh, for the Bulldogs. But he and he and Andrew Thomas work so well together. He's really physical. Can be another mauler on the inside. A guy who generates a lot of movement. He and Thomas just caving in the left side of that offensive line, really opening up some holes for DeAndre Swift, Brian Harrion, and company. Um, I just don't know if he's going to decide to enter the draft or not. He he 
is sharing time right now with Ben Cleveland. So that is a question mark. Why, you know, if, if he's going to be someone who's going to enter the draft, why are we sharing time with, with another guard? Um, that'd be something that, that scouts would definitely need to, to, to get to the bottom of. Uh, Kentucky's Logan Stenberg, 6'6", 332 pounds, uh, a, a veteran. He and, and John Simpson will round out my, you know, at, at number 10. Uh, John Simpson, 6'4", 330 pounds. A couple of guys who, you know, are physical. I think they have good pop in their hands, generate some movement. Veterans up front at the offensive guard position. You know, and so I've got them kind of rounding out that guard spot, uh, which then leads us to our centers. And obviously, Tyler Biotis out of Wisconsin, a uh, three-year starter there, 6'3", 321-pound junior, was a freshman All-American, a guy who could very well end up being a Remington Award winner. Um, so athletic. You know, he does a really good job getting out and pulling. Um, he's not quite on the level of Garrett Bradbury when you're talking about, uh, you know, Bradbury was known as the grim reacher uh, with all of his reach blocks. Not quite on that level, but uh, a guy who can definitely generate some movement in the running game and uh, pretty light on his feet in pass protection as well. Creed Humphrey, um, you know, he's 6'5", 315 pounds there for Oklahoma. Uh, the only returner from the Joe Moore uh, trophy award-winning offensive line, um, and really that offensive line took off when he was inserted into the starting lineup as a, uh, a redshirt freshman. Now in his redshirt sophomore year, he's the true leader of that offensive line, uh, the only guy to return. And you see the wrestling background, you see the balance, you see his ability to generate movement, um, the so quick off the ball uh, and able to to deal with pass rushers, um, the quickness there. He's somebody to keep an eye on should he decide to enter the draft. Uh, Daryl Williams from Mississippi State, 6'2", 310 pounds. Not the biggest guy, but he has the versatility. He's played at, you know, played at uh, the guard position, now inside at center. He's the veteran there for the Bulldogs. Athletic, um, intelligent. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, the third out of LSU, 6'4", 315-pound junior. Another guy who's really athletic. He's been a starter there. He's a veteran um, at LSU. I have him and Matt Hennessy as my number four and five centers. Hennessy, 6'4", uh, 295 pounds for Temple, battling some injuries now. Uh, and those are two guys who I think could potentially come back um, for their, their senior season. When you're talking about the center position, we only have five centers taken a season ago. When you look at the names, Garrett ba- uh, Bradbury, Elgson Jenkins, uh, Eric McCoy, Lamont uh, Gilliard, and, and Javon Patterson. You know, when you talk about those guys, those are all veteran uh, centers. Not too many guys, you know, when you look at, or you're talking about juniors. Um, and really when you look at uh, the 2018 draft, you have Frank Ragnow, Billy Price, uh, taken at the top there. James Daniels came out a year early there out of Iowa, and uh, he fell actually to round number two there for the Bears. Uh, and it's one of those things, I think, the center position. How many centers are we really going to have taken in this year's draft? I'm looking at really the top eight, nine guys uh, could potentially be be taken uh, if all of the junior, uh, Richard sophomore and the juniors all come out. Uh, Nick Harris out of Washington, 6'1", 302. Another guy who's not the biggest guy in the world, but plays with excellent leverage. That snap off the ball, uh, gets those hands underneath the pad level, does a really good job standing up defensive tackles because of that leverage, and that's really what he uses to his advantage. Uh, Jake Hansen, you know, really, you know, Oregon, you could see when he went down to injury, 
that offensive line wasn't quite as effective. This was the guy who really makes all the calls there up front. 6'5", 294, uh, 97 pounds. Um, you know, hasn't given up a sack in his career. Um, over 40 starts to his credit as well. Very intelligent player. And uh, just a guy who doesn't make a ton of mistakes. He's not the most athletic guy and can get beaten with speed um, and quickness off the ball. But uh, just really a heady player. Uh, Zach Shackelford out of Texas, 6'4", 305. Uh, needs to work on his pad level a little bit. I think he's been driven back into backfields. Um, you know, I think he's somebody who has the talent um, and and the athleticism to play at the next level. But you know, he's going to have to work on on pad level. Needs to really work on anchoring a little bit better. Um, you know, and generating some movement in the running game. Uh, Cole Cabral out of Arizona State, 6'5", 291 pounds. He hasn't given up a sack in his career. Um, he's somebody who I think could potentially, especially if some of these juniors decide to come back, somebody who could potentially move up some draft boards. So those are my centers, guys that I'm going to be kind of keeping an eye on as we move through uh, the rest of the college football season and into the pre-draft process. So we're going to transition from my offensive line and tight end picks to really what I saw last week, the games that I watched. And if you haven't listened to my podcast, you know, I, I, I tune in watch about, you know, 10 to 15 games uh, each and every week. You know, my goal is to ultimately watch at least one game for all 130 FBS programs. I'm over a hundred uh, making, making good progress. Hopefully before long, I'll be, be hitting that uh, uh, 130 mark. Um, you know, the season's nearing completion. So I'm hoping before the end of the year, I can go ahead and get some of that done. Um, let's see what else, what all did I get to watch? You know, I'm flipping through my notes here, wake forest, taking on NC state, um, Jamie Newman. We talked about him. He injured his shoulder, missed the game. Um, but the athleticism, uh, the ball placement anticipation, I think he's somebody who, um, very accurate in the, in the pocket as well. Um, somebody who I, I think could potentially be in consideration as a first rounder next season. Uh, Boogie Basham, Carlos Basham Jr., 6'5", 275 pound redshirt junior. Number nine for the Demon Deacons is a guy that you really need to keep an eye on. He's somebody who plays with, he's, he's physical, can drive his man back into the backfield with a, with a good bull rush. Also very quick off the ball. Um, has a really quick arm um, arm over off the snap to beat the left tackle. Very athletic and a guy who's continuing to rise up draft boards. Uh, Sage Surratt, uh, wide receiver, 6'5", 215-pound redshirt sophomore. Um, very, very strong. You know, I think that's one of the things that you see. You know, Caught a slant, seven-yard gain, um, really corner on his back, really was dragging him uh, for an extra four yards on, on this play. Um, you know, 54 receptions, you know, with his first catch in the first quarter, you know, that's second in, in the FBS at that point. Um, very excellent, uh, excellent job to really adjust to the ball, uh, in, in, in midair. Um, good, really good on back shoulder throws as well. Uses his body to his advantage, knows how to box out, uh, defensive backs. He's somebody who I think his stock is continuing to rise. And I think, uh, somebody who could potentially enter the draft, but uh, I, I think if he comes back because of the depth of this wide receiver uh, draft class, I'd love to see him come back. He could be in consideration as, as potentially the top tie, uh, top wide out in, uh, in next year's draft. Uh, Isang Bassey, you know, 5'10", 190-pound uh, corner, 
very physical. I think that's one of the things that you see. He had a big hit on the uh, um, on uh, on the ball carrier. Really drives quickly on the ball in coverage. Uh, Amari Henderson, 6'1", 180-pound uh, senior. He was making plays all over the place. Had a couple of picks. Um, does a good job attacking the receiver's arms. You know, really playing through. Um, so excellent ball skills there. Uh, there was a post route, you know, played way over the top. Um, really a poor quarterback throw. And that's one of the things that you saw. There was a redshirt freshman there for NC State. Uh, Devin Leary throwing the football. And and uh, Amari Henderson took advantage of that. Really got over the top of the route. And uh, quarterback really kind of threw it to Henderson, making a play on the ball. But uh, he's somebody who I think teams are going to continue to to study and continue to go back to, to the game film because he's somebody who I think is, is starting to turn some heads. Um, Isain Bassey, because of all the uh, pass breakups in his career, over 30 in his, in his career, he's the guy that's making all the noise. Um, but Amari Henderson playing opposite him, 6'1", has good size, excellent length. He might be a guy that could end up sliding up some of the draft boards a little bit further. Uh, Michigan taking on Maryland, 38-7 was the final. Uh, Pay showing a, a tremendous job um, setting the edge against the run. 6'4", 277-pound junior. Um, be interesting to see if he decides to enter the draft. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, remember that name for next year's draft. 6'6", 278 pounds. Uh, he was beating left tackles off the snap um, and, and, and uh, getting a good push to the quarterback, uh, able to pursue the running back um, you know, from the backside. He'd start outside on the left tackle, then a spin move back to the inside to get to the quarterback as well. Uh, he's a guy that uh, is really a lot of fun to watch. For Maryland, Keandre Jones, 6'3", 220-pound senior. Uh, this is a guy, he was a, a transfer from Ohio State. Uh, ten and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks on the year. Very active linebacker. He's one of those new age linebackers, a guy who's never going to come off the field. He's somebody who I think nobody's really talking about and could be a day three pick and end up finding himself on a roster because he is versatile. He can play the run, he can drop into coverage a little bit, and he can get after the quarterback. A name that people aren't talking about, Keandre Jones, number four for the Maryland, Maryland Terrapins. Uh, you know, Donovan People Jones, I think, you know, everyone really knows what you're getting there. You know, an athletic 6'2, 208 pound junior receiver. You know, I'll be interested to see what the Michigan receivers do. You have Peoples Jones, you have Nico Collins, who's the big physical 6'4, 220 pound junior. Um, you know, he's a deep ball threat, a guy who. Uh, can elevate over the corner and pluck the football out of the air. Right now, he he and Peoples Jones have kind of separated themselves in that draft class um, for for Michigan right now. But they're both juniors. Could decide to come back for one more season. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, I thought John Runyon had a good game, 6'5", 321 pound left tackle, really mauling the defensive end at the point of attack um, throughout the game. Uh, doesn't really panic on a lot of the secondary moves either. He does struggle with speed. I, I truly believe John Runyon, you know, he could play tackle at the next level, but I truly believe if if he were to play inside at guard, I think that's really where his home is going to be. Uh, I guess we'll watch Buffalo take on Eastern Michigan, 43-14 win for the Bulls. Um, and Buffalo, uh, you know, they're, they're running backs, Kevin Marks and Jarrett Patterson. If you haven't gotten to watch them play, 
Um, I, I think you'd be in for a treat. Jared Patterson, you know, five eleven hundred. I'm sorry, five nine, one hundred ninety five pounds. Uh, the sophomore already over eight hundred yards and five touchdowns. Um, you know, really good feet between the tackles. Um, vision to see the cutback lanes. Um, has really good speed to the outside. Um, four 100-yard games uh, so far this season. And uh, a guy who just continues to get better as the game goes forward, runs behind his pads, really good forward lean to him. Um, he's going to be someone that you're going to have to keep an eye on um, next season. Notre Dame, number 16, Irish, taking down the Hokies, 21-20. Ian Book, yes, he had some late-game heroics. Um, and he had developed really good chemistry there with uh, with Chase Claypool, hitting him down the sideline. But I thought there were a lot of missed throws, a lot of missed opportunities. And, um, you know, that that's one of those things that's going to be of, of concern. You know, I, I look at, at Trace McSorley, though, you know, a, a smaller quarterback, Ian Book, six foot, 212 pounds. And I beat up Trace McSorley because of his, uh, the athleticism. Um, but look, Ian Book is, a, is another gritty guy. And uh, McSorley wound up finding his way onto an NFL roster. I wouldn't be surprised if Ian Book, that grittiness, you know, he led his team down for the game-winning drive with two, uh, two minutes, 30 seconds to play, ultimately got the, uh, the rushing touchdown to win it. Um, he, he struggles with, with, with his completion percentage. He's only at 59.2 on the year. Um, but, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Ian Book still ends up making a roster because of that moxie, but he's got to cut down on the mistakes, all the interceptions. Um, that's something that, uh, just can't happen. I look at Chase Claypool. He's 6'4", 229 pounds. He's not as explosive as Miles Boykin was coming out of Notre Dame. But uh, what Claypool really has is he has that size. He attacks the football in the air. And I, I think of Darren Waller uh, coming out of Georgia Tech. He was a big physical wideout with some good speed uh, there at Georgia Tech. And he's converted into that, that new age tight end. And I think Chase Claypool as a receiver, I think the, the ceiling is a little bit more limited than if he were to move to the tight end position. I think that uh, he has the body and the frame for that. Uh, we mentioned Cole Komet earlier. Um, you know, he was running away from from Reggie Floyd on a on a corner route. Ball was overthrown, but he was separating from the safety. I, I have notes here: good inline blocker, uh, really good hands, excellent feet um, as a blocker as well. Let's see, good burst up the seam on an eight yard touchdown. Uh, excellent down block. On, on the linebacker, uh, Dax Holyfield really set the edge for Book um, on a run to the perimeter. Um, he's somebody, like I said, I, I think is, is continuing to improve his draft stock. Uh, you know, Khalid Kareem showing some power, rushing the passer. Showed a little bit of speed as well. Excellent hands getting into the chest of the left tackle, then ripping through to get to, to free himself off the block and then planting and, and turning the corner. Um, does a good job pursuing down the line against the against the run as well. Uh, Julian Aquara in that game, you know, somewhat quiet. You know, two tackles, a tackle for loss, a quarterback hurry, but uh, really hasn't made a ton of plays uh, the last couple of uh, of weeks. And you really, uh, you know, he he really started off the season well, started off strong, and um, waiting for for Julian Aquara to really you know assert himself uh, yet again. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there uh, going forward. Now, Utah, 33-28 winners over Washington. And uh, I've already talked about what happened with Jacob Eason. Also talked about Trey Adams. Uh, Bradley and I, this is a guy who just continues to fight off the edge. Um, you know, was fighting through uh, Adams blocks all day long, trying to really attack that outside shoulder, dipping through uh, and fighting through the blocks, um, using his hands to get the edge. Uh, excellent job keeping his balance on a cut block. Um, and really when he ultimately got to the quarterback, uh, what happened was he got Trey Adams to square his shoulders to the sideline. And that's really what uh, what did him in. He was attacking that outside shoulder. Ultimately, Adams squared himself to the to the sideline and couldn't recover and uh, got his 25th sack on the year. Bradley and I can play both you know, as a stand-up uh, rush end and with his hand in the ground, 6'3", 265 pounds. We'll be talking about him as we talk about the edge rushers in, in the coming weeks. But uh, he's somebody that... I look at Utah, and he's one of the one of their better defenders, and a guy who um, should be a day two pick. As is Lecky Fotu, you know, six five, three hundred thirty five pounds, really holds his ground at the point of attack against double teams. Very active hands and pass protection. A guy who just he he's just a space eater. He's going to take up a ton of space. He's athletic. He can collapse a pocket um, and pass and pass. Uh, I'm sorry, against the pass and. Uh, He's probably going to end up being a day two guy, probably not going to see his way into round number one, but a very physical guy and a guy who can win at the point of attack, free up linebackers like you know, like Francis Bernard, let's say, uh, who's 6'1", 235 pounds, number 13 running around with, uh, with the flowing locks out of his, uh, out of his helmet. Uh, excellent range, a guy who can play sideline to sideline, um, you know, run into the boundary, able to beat the, the center's block, um, got to the perimeter, able to drop him for a tackle for loss, really got inside that that center and uh, was able to drop the running back before he could really get ahead of steam. Um, Francis Bernard, kind of an underrated outside linebacker. Um, Zach Moss, you know, we've already talked about him, Utah's all-time leading rusher. Um, you know, my notes indicate, uh, let's see, a very powerful, um, powerful legs, very thick legs, runs, runs hard, between the tackles, breaks a lot of tackles, um, presses a line of scrimmage, good lateral cup to bounce it outside, really quick feet, making jump cuts. You know, and I think that's one of the things that it just continues to say over and over is the jump cuts. You know, um, and uh, has the burst, the, the ability to stop and start, excellent vision to find the holes. Um, he was a guy who was very, very pivotal in, in Utah getting the, the, uh, the win over the Huskies. Um, let's see. What else do we have as we scroll through my notes? TCU taking on Oklahoma State. 34-27 winners were the Pokes. And uh, you know, they were without Tylen Wallace, uh, the Bolitnikoff Award finalist uh, a season ago. And uh, they showed a highlight. I hadn't actually gotten to see it yet. But um, holy cow, against Iowa State, the quick throw out onto the perimeter, makes the catch, and ends up lowering his shoulder and running over really good safety in Greg Eisworth. Ran him over, takes off down the sideline, ultimately gets a stiff arm on another defensive back, 
Uh, explosive play for a touchdown. He's out for the year, though, with a torn ACL. So his draft stock really you know, in question right now. Um, you know, I thought he was a guy who wasn't the most uh, explosive, but a guy who I thought was really a, a sudden route runner. Um, and that suddenness, um, you know, that, that's something he's going to have to prove that that knee is healthy. Jalen Rager, there's no doubt that he is explosive. 5'11", 195 pounds. He's still in my top 10 at the receivers, even though, you know, he struggles to catch catch the ball in traffic. Explosive, explosive, explosive. I, I just have that written all over my notes here. Rant had a quick screen on the perimeter, um, really dove to the outside and uh, followed a block, really accelerates down the field, stutter and go to the outside, beat the corner, able to go up and high point the football for 36 yards, ended up landing on his, his lower back and uh, kind of you know had to head to the locker room early uh, ahead of halftime, but uh, definitely explosive. Um, talked about Tylen Wallace going out TCU's offensive tackle Lucas Niang 6'7", 328 pounds he's also out for the year that's why he really wasn't mentioned in the offensive tackle rankings uh, Jeff Gladney the, the corner for TCU 6'183 pounds really showing that he can turn and run with the receiver um, you know, out of bail technique got his hands on the receiver ended up getting over the top of the route and uh you know, kind of pinched the receiver into the into the sideline. Really took away um, took away any any chance at the receiver making the catch. Um, Ross Blacklock, six four three zero five junior defensive tackle. Um, he's a very intriguing prospect. You know, has good quickness off the football. Split a double team. Got a push up front to, to get to the running back for a tackle for loss. Looped around to the outside um, from the defensive tackle position. Uh, gets back up the field to end up dropping the quarterback who was stepping up into the pocket. Um, I think he was really trying to flee the flee the pocket, uh, Spencer Sanders. So that would make sense. Um, holds the point well. Does a good job keeping his arm free to end up wrapping up the running back in the running game. And then obviously Chuba Hubbard. You know, 172.6 rushing yards per game, over 1,300 yards entering the season, or I'm sorry, entering this game. Tremendous burst, um, really hitting the hole in a hurry between the tackles. Very patient, though, to let the holes develop. Um, let's see, quarterback, run to the perimeter, whiffed on a block, and that's really where he's struggling, I think, a little bit, is, is that pass protection. Okay, hands. Uh, out of the backfield, but uh, you know, I, I think pa- the passing game is really uh, you know new uh, to, to Chuba, and really when you can bust off a 92-yard touchdown run, I mean the hole just opened up for him and let him go. I mean when you can do stuff like that, um, you know, you, you can potentially be a, a, a special back. Really ac- accelerated away from the defensive backs. Um, you know, he has sprinter speed. Uh, had a stiff arm on Garrett Wallow. Um, as he was getting to the edge on another run, um, 62-yard touchdown, exploded through another hole. Um, just give him a crease, and he was gone. Um, I remember talking about Daryl Henderson and the speed and his ability to, to get north and south in a hurry. Uh, Chuba Hubbard absolutely does that, and he, you know, nobody's been able to really stop him this year. He's somebody who I think, with all the momentum that he has. He can very well decide that he's going to come out after the redshirt sophomore year. But with Spencer Sanders sitting there at the quarterback position, the po- the prospect of possibly having Tylen Wallace come back, there's a good chance that Chuba Hubbard could very well decide that he's going to come back for one more year. 
that would really be interesting. Miami taking on Florida State, 27 to 10 winners. The Hurricanes over the Seminoles. Shaq Quarterman had a huge day. Um, ultimately, you know, let's see, nine tackles, three and a half tackles for loss. Shows really good speed to the perimeter. Um, excellent downhill as a thumper, much like Denzel Perryman. He's the veteran. He's a guy who's played in uh, every game and started every game in his in his uh, Hurricane career. Number fifty five, all over the field. The biggest thing for him is dropping into coverage, and I think that's something where he can, needs to continue to develop. I think he gets lost at times, and uh, that's really what could potentially hinder his draft stock. But he's absolutely a top ten inside backer, and de- and is deserving of being drafted early on day three. Um, Gregory Rousseau. If you haven't seen this retro freshman, holy cow, 6'6", 260 pounds, had three sacks a week before, you know, the week prior, and then against Florida State, just absolute beast. Eight tackles, four sacks, five total tackles for loss. Uh, he's got tremendous length, but the burst off the football, um, you know, they like to line him up at uh, at defensive tackle and rush the quarterback from the inside. I mean, he just really embarrassed Cole Minshew, the, the right guard, Um Really just took off, ran by him, and uh, got to the quarterback, really dropping Alex Hornibook before he really had a chance to do anything with the football. Uh, Cam Akers is a top 10 running back in this year's draft. 5'11", 212 pounds. Uh, very powerful. Um, I, I think you see that. The powerful, stiff arms. Strength to run run through tackles as well. Um Let's see, last week against, or the week before against Syracuse, 20 carries, 144 yards, and four touchdowns with tied to school record. Um, they, they put that, that stat up. Greg Allen, Anton Smith, and uh, Dalvin Cook also with four touchdowns in their career. Um, I'm sorry, in, in one game. Uh, the acceleration and the speed downhill, um, but uh, he has some good lateral ability as well. Very physical in the hole. Um, with uh, with Shaq Quarterman was really difficult to bring down. Um, Shows some elusiveness with some lateral cuts uh, and then a spin move as well. Um, he's not as I think there's a little bit of stiffness in his hips, more of a a one cut and go type of a guy, but you know very powerful, good speed, and uh, a guy who could potentially be a day two pick. Uh, Janarius Robinson, big number 11, 6'5", 261 pounds. I could see him potentially entering the draft. Very quick off the ball, very natural pass rusher, dips his inside shoulder, um, but a guy who just struggled to get off blocks. And that was one of the things that really jumped out to me. You know, the right tackle, DJ Scaife Jr., um, that was really his biggest thing. He's going to have to, to add a little bit more strength to his game before I think he's ready to come out and really make a difference. Uh, Marvin Wilson, the defensive tackle, 6'5", 312 pounds. Really shows a good burst off the ball. Was double teamed. Was able to spin back inside to free himself up and get after the quarterback. But uh, he's having hand surgery out for the year. Um, so could he have played his last game in a Florida State Seminole uh, uniform? That remains to be seen. And then uh, a safety who, if he enters the draft, is going to be a top five safety. And that's Hamza Nazaruddin, 6'4", 215 pounds. Shows tremendous range. You know, there's a swing pass to the running back. Came downhill in a hurry to the perimeter to drop the running back in space. Played underneath in, in coverage. Uh, read the quarterback's eyes. Really allowed it to take him to the ball. Got his hands on the football to force a fourth down play. Speed off the edge. 
uh, as a blitzer, uh, direct path to the quarterback, hits him at it as he throws. Um, yeah, and I just know excellent length, excellent range, blitzing the quarterback, uh, gets his hand up in a passing lane to, to deflect a pass. He's a guy who may not quite be on the level of Grant Delpit or, or Xavier McKinney, but if you're looking for a safety a little bit later on in the draft, he's got that size. He could potentially develop into a linebacker. You look at him, and uh, he reminds me a lot of, of really Isaiah Simmons, um, and uh, he's somebody who I think can continue to improve his draft stock. Uh, SMU ultimately got beat by Memphis, 54-48 at the Liberty Bowl, and uh, you know, James Prochet, 13 receptions, 149 yards, and a touchdown. Um, not the fastest guy in the world, but he's sudden. He's sudden with his movements, uh, does a really good job uncovering himself, and I think that's one of the things that I want to see at the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, Cooper Cup really emerged as a guy that nobody could cover. And Terry McLaurin got to do that a little bit himself. And uh, you got to see him showcase an ability to to separate. Now, it, when you talk about a guy like uh, Cooper Cup, you know, and this is kind of the depth of the wide receiver position in this year's draft. Cooper Cup uh, was drafted in round number three. And uh, that was in the 2017 draft. Now you had the three wide receivers, Corey Davis, Mike Williams, John Ross, all taken in round number one. Uh, Zay Jones, uh, Curtis Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster, all taken in round number two. And the Cooper Cup was the fifth pick in round number three. I'd like to think that James Prochet is a third round value. I mean, that's ultimately where uh, Terry McLaurin went as well. Um James Prochet could end up coming off the board in round four or five just because of the depth, but he's a guy who I think could end up making an impact and being a guy who could be a starter in the league. But uh, just because of this draft class, you know, he he has he could very well fall down, uh, you know, a little bit. His his draft stock could could drop a little. Uh, Memphis, man, they've got a, a fabulous freshman at the running back position, and, and Kenneth Gamewell. Uh, 21 carries, 88 yards on the year. Uh, Gamewell is, uh, you know, 5'11", 191 pounds, um, and, and a guy who just has such such strong legs. Um, you know, there's a 14-yard touchdown as well. Um, really followed uh, the defensive tackle Joseph Dorsey is playing f- uh, fullback off the edge. Really good stiff arm. And uh, ultimately able to get to the edge and, and score the touchdown. Physical, strong, and uh, an excellent burst. Uh, Demonte Coxey, uh, seven receptions, 143 yards, two touchdowns on the on the game. And uh, man, 6'3", 197 pounds, uh, a track athlete, a guy who tore his ACL in in high school, um, and has really turned into a tremendous. Uh, receiving option there on the outside for Brady White. 28 straight games with a reception. Uh, let's see. had a – let's see if I can read my note here. Uh, stutter, got an outside release, beat the jam of the wide out, got by the corner, had a step on him. Brady White puts it right over his, uh, over the shoulder, extends that left hand and, and uh, left arm and really gets a one uh, one-handed catch down the football field for a 25-yard gain. 
Um, he he definitely looks the part. But with, again, you know, with this draft class, I think he's a guy who should probably come back for a senior season, play with Brady White one more year, have a breakout season, really separate yourself and become one of those guys that you're talking about as a potential first round pick. I think because of this, he's one of those guys who could potentially get lost in the shuffle. A senior, uh, Antonio Gibson, six, uh, six receptions, 130 pounds and a touchdown. I'm sorry, 130 yards and a touchdown. Um, also had three carries for 97 yards and a score and uh, returned the ball, uh, you know, a kickoff, 97 yards for a touchdown. So a kick, uh, a, a rush, and a reception, all for TD in that game. Uh, very explosive athlete, 6'2", 221 pounds, has some good size to him as well. Um, he'll be somebody that people are going to start talking about more and more. And then uh, TJ Carter, the corner, eight tackles, a tackle for loss, two pass breakups, excellent ball skills. He's a guy that nobody's really talking about at the cornerback position, 5'11", 189-pound junior. Uh, He's a guy who's a three-year starter for the Memphis Tigers. I'd love to see him come back one more year and really solidify himself as one of the top corners in uh, all of college football. And then the Oregon game, USC against Oregon, 56-24 final. you know, Justin Herbert, I think, showed an ability to, uh, you know, he struggled in the in the first quarter, really finding any type of a rhythm. But once he got going, he started hitting his receivers, finding Jawan Johnson, who's really, he's finally healthy, the grad transfer from Penn State, 6'4", 230 pounds. He's uh, really physical on the outside, some pretty good speed as well, uh, to his credit. Uh, not afraid to go over the middle. Um, he struggled with some drops at Penn State. Um, but I think he de- has developed some chemistry with Justin Herbert. So down the stretch, I think that's something that you're going to definitely see. Um, talked about Michael Pittman. Um, let's see. Um, separates, you know, a little bit on the out, on an out route, attack the football in the air, body control along the sideline, quick throw, you know, that was really what USC was trying to do to get, get him the football because a lot of times he had three defenders on him. But uh, catch and a burst up the, up the field on a tunnel screen, kept his balance, kept his legs turning. He's a difficult guy to bring down once he has the ball in his hand. Very physical blocker on the outside. Had a, a 13-yard touchdown. Let's see, an in-cut. Um, let's see. In cut, cut inside the corner, catch for a touchdown before the safety could get over. Um, he's just a guy who just continues to make plays and uh, a guy who's just going to continue to see his draft stock continue to to rise. Um, outside shot at the first round, I think he'll be an early uh, second round pick when it's all said and done. But Oregon just dominated um, you know, really USC, some poor clock management there at the end of the game or end of the first half, kicking the football deep and uh, ultimately a kickoff return for touchdown went from a four point game to a, an 11 point game, USC un- unable to stop Oregon, uh, coming out after half and, uh, the route was on, um, Troy die playing with a club on his hand. You know, uh, and I, I think it was a thumb injury, if I want to, if I want to say, but uh, 6'4", 226 pounds. He, he's Oregon's three-time um, leading leading tackler, and uh, you know, he was someone that 
even with playing with that club was was all over the field. He was making you know hits you know on, on the quarterback to really force early throws, wrapping up guys in the open field. Um, he's someone who's just a good athlete, a guy who's not going to no need to come off the field on third down. He's a three down linebacker. He'll be a day three guy, but a guy who I think is going to end up finding. Um, finding himself a home and and a guy who I think is going to play for a long time. So those were the games that I got to watch. And uh, I've got some games that I'll be tuning into here in uh, week 11 for sure. So if we go ahead and take a look at these matchups before we go ahead and call it a podcast, uh, let's see. Obviously, Saturday, um, the big game. Uh, the early game is going to be Penn State against Minnesota. Two undefeated teams. Penn State, you're going to have Sean Clifford at quarterback, uh, KJ Hamler at receiver. Um, but Antoine Winfield at Minnesota, he's a, a junior. His dad played in the league for a number of years. A ball hawk uh, at the safety position. You'll have Carter Coughlin uh, at the defensive end position uh, coming off the edge. Uh, Kamal Martin, if he's healthy there at linebacker. Uh, very athletic player as well. Uh, Penn State, though, that defense, they're going to be, um, can they stop Rodney Smith, the, the running back? They're very physical up front. Sam Schluter is a, is a pretty decent uh, junior left tackle, um, underrated in terms of his athleticism, and uh, you know has pretty good hands, will strike you a little bit. And then uh, the, the big 6'9", six, 400-pound six, right tackle, uh, uh, Daniel Falele, uh, it, he'll be, it'll be fun to watch him, those two guys go up against the likes of, of Shaka Tony and Nietzsche Grossmatos. You're going to have Micah Parsons playing sideline to sideline. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I anticipate James Franklin's group uh, to beat uh, P.J. Fleck, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, let's see, Vanderbilt, um, you know, two and six on the year, heading to, to the swamp to take on Florida. Uh, that offense struggling a little bit with uh, with uh, getting anything really going. Um, so I, I anticipate uh, Florida to have a field day there. Baylor taking on TCU. Baylor's undefeated. Expect Charlie Brewer, Denzel Mims, and company to end up winning that football game. Um, I feel bad for East Carolina going up against SMU after their first loss of the season. I expect James Prochet, Shane Bouchelle, that connection to really uh, give the Pirates fits early and often. Uh, as we scroll through Florida State, uh, if they want to want to make a bowl game, even with you know with Willie Taggart you know being fired. Um, you know they're four and five on the year. It's going to get started with Boston College five and four. A.J. Dillon showing what he can do when he's finally healthy. You know, he's big, he's physical, he's six foot, 245 pounds, doesn't really catch the football out of the backfield, which is a concern, but uh, he's a guy who can run over you and he can run by you. You know, They, they say he can run a 4-5-40, battled the high ankle sprain for much of the year, a season ago. I haven't gotten to watch Boston College play yet this year, but I really want to watch him play um, because he's a guy who's just going to continue to get better and wear, wear teams down as, as the game goes along. And we'll be able to really see what Florida State has in terms of, uh, you know, can they, can they bear down and really they're going to have to stop him in order to, to win that football game. I just don't know that they're going to be able to do that. So the afternoon game, 
of the hour, LSU against Alabama, number two versus number three, going into Tuscaloosa, Bryant-Denny Stadium, Tua Tonga-Vailoa versus Joe Burrow, uh, Nate, uh, I'm sorry, Najee Harris, the running back against Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I bet you Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to have, um, you know, really, I, I think if he has a big game, LSU is going to end up coming out on top. If he's rushing for over 100 yards, that means that Alabama, that defense, is uh, is struggling to stop the run, which is also going to open up some play-action passes for Joe Burrow. And you can say what you want about Alabama's uh, receivers. LSU has themselves some pretty good receivers as well. And you know it's two guys who just do a tremendous job with the slant routes, um, you know, the anticipation, the ability to, to throw their receivers open, hit them in stride, allow them to get up the field. And, uh, you know, they'll pick their, you know, their, their Tua and, and Joe Burrow aren't guys who are going to be chucking the ball deep left and right. They're going to pick their, their throws, pick their shots. And when they do that, the ball placement is absolutely there. Um, you know, they both throw with anticipation. It's going to be a fun quarterback duel. Um, you know, offensive line, I think Alabama definitely has the edge there. And with Michael Divinity no longer on the LSU roster, you're not going to see much of a pass rush. You know, I, I think with Alabama, you've got uh, Terrell Lewis, you've got Anthony Jennings rushing the quarterback. You also have Raquan Davis up front. And then in the secondary, uh, you know, Trevin Diggs and, uh, and Xavier McKinney really leading that secondary. Um, LSU with, with Christian Fulton and Grant Delpit. I just, I, I worry about uh, Tua picking them apart if they can't get pressure uh, on, on the quarterback. I think Alabama ends up winning the game. It'll, it's going to be a close one. But like I said, if if they let Cl- Clyde Edwards-Alaire run the football, then they're going to basically continue to wear down that Bama defense. Time of possession. A lot of times an offense is a really good defense. So if if Alabama lets that running game really take over, then you could end up seeing LSU end up squeaking out the win. K State, uh, you know, and and Chris Kleiman's team, the ranked number uh, sixteen in the country, taking on Texas. Uh, this is going to be a pivotal matchup. You know, who's going to end up being um, in the Big Twelve championship? That's going to be a big game. Let's see who else do we have? USC. Uh, they've named a new athletic director, Mike Bond, uh, coming from Cincinnati to USC. Clay Helton on, uh, really on the hot seat going up against Herman Edwards and uh, Arizona State. Um, you know, I think USC is going to play, you know, have some inspiring, uh, inspired play there uh, at uh, Sun Devil Stadium. Uh, the game to watch. Uh, if you're you're not watching that SEC game, it's going to be a Big Ten battle. Iowa, uh, number 18 in the country, taking on Wisconsin, uh, ranked number 13 overall. Um, you know, I, I pair of a uh, six and two teams. Iowa with Nate Stanley. Um, what is he going to be able to do uh, against that Wisconsin defense that struggled a little bit, especially against Illinois? Um, you know, and also struggled against Ohio State. Um, you know, Zach Bond is going to need some help coming off the edge. Um, you know, see if Alaric Jackson can really deal with that speed coming off the edge. If he ends up going up against uh, Tristan Wirfs, that'd be a fun matchup to watch. But I think if you get uh, Zach Bond, that matchup against uh, Alaric Jackson, I really like that uh, more so for uh, Wisconsin. And then Iowa, A.J. Epinesa and company. Can A.J. Epinesa get after Jack Cohn? That's going to be a big question mark. He's going to go up against Cole Van Lannan. Hasn't really been able to have a breakout game rushing the quarterback. 
really want to see him get after the quarterback because there's a chance to be able to do that. And can Jonathan Taylor run against a stingy Iowa defense? I think Wisconsin ends up getting the ball to Jonathan Taylor, let him rush for uh, for 150 yards and a couple of scores, and they eke out the win there. Uh, Georgia taking on Missouri. Missouri 5-3 and three on the year. Uh, you know, the number six Bulldogs at home against Mizzou. And uh, I, I like the Bulldogs here. I think, you know, they're going to do just enough to end up getting the win against Mizzou. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Clemson taking on NC State. Notre Dame against Duke. You know, those should, uh, they should have easy time there. Night game. Here's an intriguing matchup. Oklahoma, the, the ninth-ranked Sooners, coming off of a bye after a loss. Uh, taking on Iowa State, who's 5-3 uh, and three on the year. Matt Campbell's group. Uh, you know, Brock Purdy at quarterback. Um, it'll be interesting to see you know OU and that offense going up against another defense that's you know a tough, gritty defense like K State's Iowa State, led by uh, Jaquan Bailey, the defensive end. Uh, Mike Rose is a sophomore linebacker to watch. Uh, Marcel Spears at linebacker. Uh, obviously, you know Greg Eisworth. Yes, he got run over by Tylen Wallace, but he's a guy who makes plays all over the field. Um, that's going to be interesting for sure. But I think the Sooners, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, uh, he's just been taking really a business-like approach to this entire season, and uh, with the ball in his hands, it's hard to to bet against him. So those will be the games that I'm keeping an eye out for. I think one sneaky good game is going to be Boise State against Wyoming. It's a late game. Uh, let's see, 9:15 Central Standard Time. Seven and one Broncos at home on the blue turf against the Wyoming Cowboys. Uh, you know, Cowboys coming in six and two. Boise State seven and one. Hank Bachmeyer, the freshman there for Boise State. Um, it's going to be going to be interesting to see who ends up winning that one. They'll be in the driver's seat there for uh, the Mountain West Conference. So I I think I'll see if I can get that game recorded and watch that. And uh, you know, one final game for you. It's going to be on ESPNU. Um, 6.30 Central Standard Time game, Liberty taking on BYU. And the reason why I bring that up, Liberty Flames, if you haven't gotten to watch Antoine, I'm sorry, Antonio Gandy-Golden, tune in and watch him play. Um, BYU with a tough, greedy defense. But, uh, you know, if, if uh, Stephen Gal- Calvert is given any time, uh, he and, and Gandy-Golden can really make some plays on the outside. Um, you know, Gandy Golden, I don't have him in my top 10 wideouts, but he's definitely a guy who has tremendous length, the guy who can make plays down the football field, the guy who's going to be a red zone nightmare for teams because of that length. He's the guy who's going to be a top 12, top 13 uh, wideout in this draft and, and a guy that we're talking about, you know, among the top in terms of receiving yards in the country. Um, he's one of those guys that... I think if he tests well, he's going to continue to see his draft stock rise. He'll probably end up falling into into day three, um, but a guy who I think has a high ceiling and a guy who's just continuing to develop and continuing to get better. Um, you know, I think Hugh Freeze coming in has definitely helped him out quite a bit. So. Hopefully everyone enjoys week eleven of the college football season. I know when we talk next week. We'll get to see a little bit more about that college football playoff ranking, what that all looks like, you know, who's who wins the Alabama-LSU game, uh, who's going to win the Penn State-Minnesota uh, game. 
Um, you know, those are going to be some interesting conversations for sure. I'm going to enjoy some of those matchups. We're going to talk about edge rushers uh, next week as well. Chase Young, we're going to spend some time talking about him and his game. But there are other guys that are out there as well. Um, from Bradley and I taking more of a look at him to Curtis Weaver to Terrell Lewis. Um, you know, more of a linebacker, but he's also an edge rusher. We'll talk about him. Julian Aquara as well. Yeter Gross Matos. There are a lot of guys that uh, can come off the edge and wreak some havoc. How about Alex Highsmith out of Charlotte? Um, have him penciled in as an outside linebacker, but a guy who can definitely get after the quarterback. So we're going to talk edge rushers. We're going to see where some of those guys shake out. And uh, you know, are there other pass rushers who will be joining uh, Chase Young in the first round? There are a couple of guys that I have um, you know, in mind. So we'll go ahead and, uh, you know, stay tuned for the next podcast and we'll talk all about it. So hope everyone enjoys their weekend, enjoys, you know, watching some college football, NFL on Sunday and Monday, and, uh, we'll go ahead and start this podcast all over again next week. Uh, so for ready for the draft.com, this has been Greg shoots, the ready for the draft podcast signing off. Take care, everyone. I am out of here.